12. So if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, you can go ahead and do that. Uh, we are concluding our series on love. And so this, this month, we've been taking a look at love. It's 2020, Walking in Light of Love. Now, uh, while you were turning to John chapter 15, I'm going to ask you all, how many of y'all remember the Murph Griffin show? Any of y'all remember that show? Okay, yeah, so that's, the, the, that's the, all the old people in church. That would be me. And so I, I remember the Merv Griffin show. And uh, one time on the Merv Griffin show, he had this bodybuilder that was on. And the guy came out. You know, he does bodybuilder stuff. You know, they flex. And, and so he, he turned around and did his back muscles. And uh, so he showed his back muscles. And Merv Griffin's, you know, pretty impressed. I mean, that's a big guy. And so he asked, he said, hey, what are these muscles for right here? And the guy didn't say anything. And he just kind of flexed again, you know, ooh. And uh, he's like, well, and what are they for? And, and the guy couldn't answer the question, which I thought was, was interesting. So here's a guy, spent a lot of time, you know, getting big back muscles, but he has no idea what they do or what they're for. Well, this is why I don't work out my back, you know, that, uh, that much because of that. But, uh, but I thought about that, and I thought, you know, as Christians, there's a lot of times when we kind of get caught up in the same kind of thing. There's a lot of different hoops as Christians that, that we can jump through a lot of different exercises that we perform, and people are like, well, why do y'all do that stuff? You know, as, as, as Christians, why do you find that what you're doing to be so necessary? And a lot of times there's stuff that we do because we are Christians, but we really can't give an answer for some of the stuff that we do and perform. We're just like, well, I really don't know, but man, it looks good, doesn't it? Well, today we are looking in a passage of Scripture where Jesus gives us an exercise that we are to perform, that we are to do, that has meaning and purpose behind it. And so, like I said at the beginning, we are concluding our series on love today, and the exercise that Jesus has called all Christians to perform is to love. As a matter of fact, he didn't just say it's one of the exercises that you ought to perform as a believer he said it is the primary exercise that you are to perform as a follower of God. In Matthew 22, verses 35 through 40, it says, And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to him to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? So what's the greatest command? Here's what Jesus said. He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, this is the first and greatest command. And the second's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So a question was asked, what is the greatest command that a Christian can follow? What is the greatest exercise that I'm to put into practice in my life as a follower of Jesus? And Jesus gives the answer and he says, it is love. Now, today in our scripture, we're going to see Jesus sharing with his disciples the importance of love, his command to love, and how he tells us that we are to love one another. Now, I know that as we are sitting in here today, you know, we're in church, and, and you say, hey, is love a good thing? Are we supposed to love people? We're all going to say, you know, pretty much anyway, all of us are going to say, oh, yeah, absolutely. We should, we should be people who love. It sounds good, doesn't it? You know, as Christians, one thing Christians are supposed to do, we are to be loving people. And I, I'm right there with you. But here's where I struggle. I don't struggle in saying it. I struggle in doing it. Any of y'all in that same boat? I, I can talk about love all day long, but actually performing love is just like exercise. 
I mean, it's, just, it's not a whole lot of fun to think, yeah, i got to get up today and go work out. Well, Jesus says a part of your workout program as a believer is to love. And so my question is, well, why? You know, what, what exactly is it that love does? You know, what does love do? And, and we're going to see a few things that love does in our scripture today and why it's important. So that's why we're looking in John chapter 15, verse 12 today. And just a, a little background information If you go to John uh, chapter 14 and you run it through John chapter 17, if you have a Bible like mine, which is I have the red letter edition Bible, and so we all know, you know, red is where Jesus is speaking, right? So John 14 through 17, if you have a Bible like mine, it is pretty much all red. And so so what Jesus is doing is he is speaking, he's he's giving really a long monologue, uh, through uh, chapters 14 through 17. In chapter 14, Jesus talks to the people, to his disciples. He says, hey, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and it's going to be in heaven, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to take you to be with me one day. And then he tells them the only way to heaven is through me, it's through Jesus. And then he goes on in John 16, and he talks about how he is sending the Holy Spirit to come alongside us as believers in order to do a work of God. And then whenever you get to John chapter 18, Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives with his disciples. He prays, and Judas has betrayed him. And so some some men come to arrest Jesus. And from that point on, Jesus is moving towards the cross. So John 14 through 17, what it is, is it is really the last big instruction, the last big speech that Jesus gives to his disciples before he goes to the cross. And a a major part of the speech that he gives is what we're looking at today, where he tells his disciples, you have been called to love. And so that's the question for me today. Well, what does does love do? You know, I know it sounds good, but what does love do? We're going to see a few things that love does. The very first thing that love does is love sacrifices. Love is about sacrifice. In, In verses 12 and 13, Jesus said, this is my command Love one another as I have loved you. And no one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. Now, when we started uh, the series on love back in February, one thing we said at the very beginning is that when Jesus shared this with us, that we are to be loving, he, he he did not suggest it. He did not ask that we be people of love. We are told that he gave a command. And so, y'all, that, that, that shows me something here, that love is to be a part of our daily practice. It's not a suggestion. It is a command. And then Jesus shared with us, well, how do we love? Well, he says that we are to love like he does. Well, so, but how, does how did Jesus love? Well, one of the ways that Jesus loved is Jesus loves sacrificially. You see that from the very beginning of Jesus' life. If you go back to the birth of Jesus... In Matthew 1.21, there was an angel who had come to tell Joseph about the birth of Jesus, you know, through Mary. And here's what the angel said. He said, she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So from the very beginning, Jesus' life and ministry is about sacrifice. Jesus came here into this world in order to pay off our debt of sin that we cannot pay ourselves. And so he came here to be a sacrifice for us. So then you have to ask the question, well, why would he do that? 
because he loves us. You know, John 3.16, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, when you love someone, and when you really love someone, you're going to sacrifice for them. And that, that's true through, through all cultures, you know, for, through, for, with all people, regardless of whether a person is a Christian or not. I mean, you see stories of mothers, whether they're believers or not, who will sacrifice for their children. Uh, you will see through all cultures and through all religions that there are people who will do heroic deeds, heroic things for people that they love. So you might say, well, then what makes, what makes Christianity different? Uh, we get a taste of it in Romans 5.8. It says, but God proves his own love for us in this, in that while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us. See, the kind of love that, that Jesus has for us is he was willing to be a sacrifice for us, even though we didn't do anything worthy to be loved by him. Now, I think about that. I think, how incredible is that? You know, I, I, am, I am grateful that God loves me regardless of who I am. And so that's the kind of love that God has. Now, because he loves me like that, the command I have from Scripture is now I and you are to love like Jesus loves. Well, how do we do that? Well, if you look at verse number 12, Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I look at that, and here's my first thought. Ugh, I do not want to do that. I mean, there are some people that are real easy for me to love. And there are other people, and it's just not fun to love them. Now, are, do y'all, any of y'all have feelings like that? You bunch of liars. You all do. I know y'all. Uh, we all have those feelings. I just, you know, and just sometimes loving people, there's just some people who are not fun to love. But you know, that, that's not, the command from Jesus is not if you feel this way. He said this is a command. You know, I'm sure that whenever Jesus was on the cross, it, y'all, it didn't feel good. But he did it because he was looking forward to the future about what he was going, what was going to happen because he had claimed us as his own. He knew that he was going to share an eternity in heaven with his people. So, but how do we love like that? But Jesus said there's no greater love than that someone would lay down his life for a friend. And, and we would all say, that, you know, that's probably one of the highest proofs of love that there is, that you're willing to sacrifice yourself for someone else. And as, as Christians, that's how we're supposed to love. You know, every so often I'll hear a story about someone who will give the ultimate sacrifice for somebody else, for somebody they care about, for somebody they love. And, and I will see that story, and I'll kind of put myself in that story, and I will, I'll think, I wonder what I would have done. You know, would I, would I have done that? Would I have sacrificed like that person did for someone else? Now, instead of wondering about those kinds of things, I think we need to kind of put ourselves in the situation where we are now. And so, you know, since I'm a, I'm a guy and I am a husband, it made me think back to what Paul asked of husbands or told husbands in Ephesians 5.25. He said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and even gave himself up for her. And so I, I'm sure that a lot of us as guys, we think, well, you know, I, I would do that. You know, if somebody... Somebody broke into my house and, you know, and, and somebody's going to try to harm my wife. You know, I would jump in front of the bullet for my wife. Now, you know, I said that to the first service. I said, guys, wouldn't you all do that? 
not one guy said anything. And so I was like, oh, man, this ain't good. And so I'm not even going to ask you all this question because it was horrible in the first service. I think there's a lot of messed up marriages in that first service. But, you know, we, we like to think in those, you know, those hypothetical situations. I, yeah, I'd do that. But, in, but instead of using the extreme story, you know, because the chances of that happening are, are pretty small for most people. But I think you can ask your, yourself this question when it comes to do you sacrificially love your spouse in that are, are you willing to give up some things that you really like to do for her or for him because you, you know that you need to be with them. You need to practice love in just being present. You know, are, are you willing to, to sacrifice time that you would like to spend somewhere else simply to take time to eat dinner and be with your family because they need you. You know, as a believer, am I, am I willing to sacrifice some of the things that draw my attention but I know they keep me away from God? Am I willing to stay away from those things because I want to honor God with what goes into my mind? You know, here's one that's personal. Am I, am I willing not to uh, be overcome with anger when somebody cuts me off on the road? You know, I'm struggling with this one. But, you know, am I, am I willing to do that? Because, because if, I, if I just sort of stay back, then what I am doing is I'm saying, Lord, I, I would like to do something else, but I'm willing to sacrifice my feelings because I want people to see how you love me. See, that, that's what love is. It is weird to demonstrate love so that people can see how God loves us. Uh, Watchman Nee was an evangelist from a long time ago. It's a strange name. Uh, but he was uh, a missionary in China. He talked about one of the, one of the people he knew, and uh, he, was, he was a rice paddy farmer, rice farmer. He had a, so he had a rice paddy. It was up on top of a, a sort of a mountain, a hill. And he said every morning he would flood his rice paddy with water. Now, he had a neighbor that was a little bit below him who was just a mean guy. And he said whenever he'd flood his field, that neighbor would go up and open up the gate, and all the water would run out of his field and then go into his field. And so because the guy was a Christian and he, he took it seriously, he, he wanted to do something, but he didn't know what to do that would be godly. And so he, he sat there, and it got to a place where his, his rice paddy was suffering. And so he had some friends over and said, hey, you need to pray with me to help me to demonstrate to this guy the love of Christ. And I don't know what to do. Well, he, he finally came up with an answer, and, and what happened is the next morning he got up and he went down to his neighbor's place, first of all, and he flooded his field first. And then he went to his field and flooded it. So the guy didn't have to steal his water. And he did that day after day after day. And eventually what happened is it got the attention of his neighbor who saw a Christian who was willing to sacrifice to show kindness to him. And it changed his life. And so I sit there and I, you know, a lot of times I, I read stories about love and I think, what, is, what does love really do? You know what love does? Sacrifices. What else does love do? Well, love will obey. Love is obedience, obedient to God. In, in verses 14 and 15, Jesus said, You are my friends if you do what I command you. He says, I do not call you slaves anymore because a slave doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I've made known to you everything I have heard from my father. Now, Jesus said, You are my friends if you do what I command you. No, no, now, y'all, here's where you get to participate. What did Jesus command us to do? To love, right? So Jesus said, if you love, he said, then you are my friends. 
So a part of love is being obedient to what God says. Now, we can't say that we, that, we are, um, that we are obedient to God, that we're really close to God, if we are not willing to be a people of love. Can't do that. Jesus said you have to love. If, if you love, he says, then you are my friend. I mean, Jesus very clearly said in John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. So love describes an intimate relationship. Uh, love is the, this, this kind of love is speaking of an unconditional love. You know, if we really love Jesus, we are going to do what Jesus says because we trust him. Because we believe that he is true. Now, I'm afraid that uh, whenever we have a relationship with God, that is just sort of where our, our, where our focus is, is on, on Jesus being a fire insurance policy for us. You know, what, hey, listen, I want to follow Jesus because I don't want to go to hell. And, I, and I'll be, one of the top five reasons for becoming a Christian. Hey, y'all, that's right up there, right? I mean, would y'all agree? When I was a kid, you know, you know why I was drawn to Jesus? I wanted to go to heaven. Now, that is not a bad thing. That is not, that's a good motivator. But where we, where we get in trouble is when that becomes the end, not just the beginning of our relationship, but the end of our relationship too. See, Jesus isn't just interested only in our destination. He is interested in our journey. And if we journey through life only with our eyes on the destination and not paying attention to Jesus in this journey, then you're going to miss out on the affirmation of God. You're going to miss out on the movement of God in your day-to-day life. And that kind of relationship with God, it is, it is purely one-sided. It's all about what, you know, what can God do for me? Now that's, that's not a loving relationship with God. A relationship with God is not just about heaven. It's about love. And it is mind-blowing to think that God loves you and me. And when we know that he loves us, one thing that we want to do is to obey him. We want to follow one who loves us like them. See, whenever you love Jesus like this, then then you're going to trust what he says. You're going to do what he tells you to do, regardless of what culture says. Because you know he loves you, and you want to trust him. You know, I remember back in, in 1999, uh, John F. Kennedy Jr., y'all might remember this, when he, he was a pilot, and he was, I think he might have been flying back to his home, his home base, and uh, he had his wife with him on the flight, and um, uh, his wife's sister, and you remember the plane crashed, and all three of them perished on that plane crash. Now, what they discovered in that crash is that John F. Kennedy Jr., he was VFR rated as a pilot, so he, he flew by sight, in other words. Um, which is fine, except for when he was flying that day, the fog rolled in, and he couldn't see. And when you can't see, a lot, what you do, a lot, you kind of go by feelings. And y'all, let me tell you something, just like in everything else, feelings don't always tell you the truth. And so you can feel like that you're level and flying straight, when in fact you can be flying straight down to the ground. And so he wasn't able to see, and the plane ended up crashing. They said that what he needed to do to survive that crash was to be IFR rated as a pilot, relying upon the instrument. And the, the instrument in the plane, it has a, an artificial horizon. And so as you're flying and you can't see around you, you focus on that instrument and you're able to tell if you're flying level, you're able to tell what altitude you're at, you're able to tell how fast you're going, and then you're able to get through the journey. Now, every IFR pilot will tell you the hardest thing about learning how to fly like that is trusting the instrument. I, mean, I totally get that. 
I mean, trusting an instrument, I mean, like, instead of my eyes, instead of my feelings, I am trusting the instrument. Okay, now here's how this applies. As believers, we are living in a world that is foggy. You know, just the longer we go, and I don't know if it's just that I'm becoming more and more like my grandparents, and I'm just, I'm watching stuff, and I'm thinking, this world is crazy. We don't know what's up anymore, and we don't know what's down. We struggle with figuring out what is right, and we, it seems like we have no clue what is wrong. And when I say we, I'm not including y'all. I'm just speaking in general. So how do, we, how do we navigate through this life? Well, we have to trust, not our eyes, but the instrument that God has given us to make sure that we're level, flying straight. It's God's Word. God has given us His Word so that we can learn how to make decisions that will bring us through the fog of this life and be able to guide our life into a safe landing. You see, that, that's, that's what love does. See, love, it, what does it do? It, it, it sacrifices, it obeys. Now, here's the last thing I want you to see that love does. Love, love will produce. Love produces. Verses 16 and 17, last two verses I'll read. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you should go out and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. And this is what I command you. Jesus said, love one another. Now, I think this is really interesting. In, in verse number 16, I, I underline this in my Bible. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. What's that all about? Now, in this day, when people would follow, they would follow it was, it was kind of normal. to you pick a teacher out you like, and you'd follow him. And so you made the decision what rabbi you were going to follow. Jesus said, no, y'all didn't do that. Jesus, he said, you, did, you didn't choose me. Jesus said, I chose you. Now, why did he choose them? Why does he choose people like us? Verse 17, he gives the answer. He says, I choose you so that you'll go out and you'll produce fruit. Now, before we go any further, I I want you to hang on to just kind of think about that for a second. And this is a big deal. Jesus said, you did not choose me, I chose you. Now, I don't know about you all, but I look at that, and I think that's really cool that, that God would choose me. And, you know, I think about it, it makes me go back to, you know, the days when we were in, uh, like, elementary school. Y'all remember dodgeball? I'm not talking about the dodgeball they play today. I'm talking about real dodgeball. You know, we had the rubber balls, and they were this big, and you had the size, they were the size of baseballs. Y'all remember that? And the face was legitimate. I mean, you could hit somebody in the face. And so we, we'd be sitting there, and every Friday at our school, we played dodgeball like that. I mean, it was a, it was, this is my only military experience, you know, how I was, you know, combat. Uh, so we'd stand up against the wall, and you'd have two, you'd have two captains, and they pick teams, and some they would choose you. And you, when you got when you got chosen, you know you you always you wanted to do well because you want to say, hey, you chose me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna perform. I'm gonna do it because you chose me. I want to do well for you. I would like for us to have that same kind of attitude when we think about Jesus choosing us. That, that because, Jesus, you chose me, and because you chose me. I want to do well for you. I want to honor you. Now, it's not because, because we think, Jesus, I'm, you're lucky you chose me because I'm going to add something to your game. You know, that, that's, it's not like God Jesus, I'm going to choose you because I have a weakness in my life. And Eric, you can fill it. There's none of that. God has no weaknesses. But he chooses us because he wants to work through us. 
He wants you and me to be a vessel that he works through to make a difference. And Jesus says, I choose you. And one of the things that I want you to do when I choose you, he says, now you will produce. You will produce fruit. Matter of fact, Jesus mentioned this in Matthew 7, 16. Jesus said, you're going to be able to recognize who my followers are by the fruit they produce. What, what, what is that? What kind of fruit does a Christian produce? Well, Galatians 5, and 23 tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It says, against such things there is no law. Now you might say, does that mean that I'm perfect? It, no, it does, it does not. But sort of a distinguishing mark for you. It doesn't mean you're perfect. You, you screw up just like I do. But there, there are those marks that you will see in your life that you will have the mark of kindness in your life when Jesus has touched you. You will have uh, the, the mark of being a peaceable person whenever Jesus touches you. He makes a difference in your life. You're going to hold true to the teachings that Jesus gives regardless of what culture says because you trust Jesus. And you're going to follow him, even when it might not feel right to you. You say, but you know what, I'm not going to go with my feelings. I'm going to go with what God's word has to say. And now, now fruit, when it says that we produce fruit, fruit has seeds on the inside. And those seeds are there to produce. And so for those seeds, though, to get out means that your life has to be opened up. So that those seeds can begin to grow and impact other people. Uh, right now in, in China, there is a, a, a big concern for Christians in China right now. And it's that the, the, the communist government right now would really like, especially with evangelical churches, to bring them under the communist party so they can control them. They, they are not fans of Christianity. And so there's a, a real worry that missionaries in China right now are going to be expelled and, and kicked out and have to go home. Now, that, that, is, a, that is a scary thought, but... That's happened before. That happened in 1949 with Mao. When Mao took over China, became communist China, they kicked all the missionaries out. The missionaries and the churches were worried to death because they thought the church was going to die. Well, what the missionaries needed to remember is that the entire time they'd been there, they had been planting seeds all those years. 25 years later, missionaries were allowed back into China. When they came back in in 1974, when they came back in in 1974, the Chinese church had tripled. They thought it was going to be decimated. But because they've been planting seeds, those believers loved one another. And they shared their faith with other people. And people became followers of God. And the result is that there was fruit that had been produced. That, that's what fruit does. Fruit produces. So you want to leave a legacy of faith behind. You want your life to point people to Jesus. It begins with what Jesus said in this text today. Love one another. Support each other. Pray for each other. Care for each other. Serve one another. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why we are, we are in Blythewood. The original purpose, because we believe God called us here, the, the reason why we are here is because we believe God called us here to serve this community to make a difference here, to serve in the name of Jesus so that people would see what it means to be loved like Christ. We are at Park Street, downtown Columbia. Weirdest thing I've seen happen. What in the world's going on? I believe this. I believe God has put us there in order 
to give and to show the love of Jesus in that Elmwood neighborhood so that people will see Jesus. See, we are here to produce disciples of Jesus. And we live in a world that is in desperate need of seeing love. And I'm talking about real love. I'm talking about the love of Jesus. Now, now, now what does love do? Well, love will sacrifice, it will obey, and it will produce. Now, you might say, well, how do I do that? You know, and I, I'm just telling you, I am not, you know, I don't wake up I don't wake up and think, you know what, man, I just feel like loving today. I have to have a track to run on. Because if I'm left to my own devices, I'm pretty selfish. And so at Village Church, we have a device. We've set up, it's our C4 ministry. And I said, I need a device so I can get on the track about loving people. Well, if you go out in our foyer, there's a C4 area. You You need to look through one of those teams that we have so that you can begin to put into practice love. And for some of you, it needs to start in your family. And it might be that you need to ask a family member to forgive you. And whenever you do that, you'll be, you know, it's amazing what happens whenever you ask for forgiveness. So oftentimes what happens is the person that you ask to forgive you, they they are overwhelmed by the fact that you have asked. And there's a demonstration of love that you will see. Uh, Others of you, you need to have, you need to have the love of Christ infiltrate your life. And the only way that happens is whenever you surrender yourself to Jesus. You cannot love others. You cannot be a person of love unless Jesus is in your life. And I'm talking about the kind of love that is unconditional, the kind of love that produces fruit, the kind of love that will change a person's life for an eternity. It is only Jesus. And so here's how I'd like for us to close the service. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. And it might be some of you today. So you know what? I, I want my eternity taken care of. I want... I want to be in line with God. I want to be a person of love because I've been a person who's been angry for a long time and it doesn't produce anything worthwhile. Why don't you just take this time to to just simply talk to Jesus. Nothing magic. It's just between you and Him. And you can just simply pray to Him and say, Jesus, I need you. And I'm asking for your forgiveness. Jesus, I turn away from living for me to living for you. And I believe that you died on a cross for me because you love me. And I believe, Jesus, that you conquered death and that you live today and that there will be a day when you will raise me from the dead to live for an eternity with you in heaven where I am trusting you. Save me. And no one looking around, if, if you prayed that, hey, let us know. You can do that. You can take your take your bulletin out. You can fill out that contact form in there. Put your name on it. Check that line. I commit my life to Christ. And you tear that out. You put it in one of the boxes at the back as you leave here today. We can get you some information in the mail about growing in a walk with Jesus. Because love will make a difference. Change your life. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your word. We thank you, Lord that you first loved us. We don't deserve it, but we are grateful. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand with me as we sing our final song.